Lucid Podcast with me, Rabbi Simcha. We are blessed and we are honored and we are thrilled to have the most famous, recognized international Hasidic traveler currently in the world today. My dear brother on the show, Shloimi Zayantz. Say hello, Shloimi. Hey, Rabbi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. I'm sitting here in Brooklyn. I'm in Pratt Institute in my office Clinton Hill, Williamsburg, it is raining. Would you like to tell the listener where Shloimi Zayantz is? Sure. So I am currently in Mumbai, India. Wow. Brooklyn, Mumbai. This is a global podcast right now. I'd like to just introduce you very briefly that you are the senior foreign correspondent for AMI magazine. You have a YouTube blog and vlog that is viewed by millions and millions of people regarding your travels and your escapades all over the world. Shloimi, how many countries have you traveled to? So I believe at the moment we're at 43. Wow. So we have to backtrack very briefly. I'll just let the listeners know how we met. We connected, and if you, if you remember this, through a good friend of mine, Fagi Lamberger, and I remember when you and your rabbits and mushki had just, you just got engaged. It was the first time that I met you. And within 10 seconds of meeting, I said to you, I'm going to make you a Sheva Bracha. And I did make you a Sheva Bracha. Remember? Yeah. So I have to correct you on that one because you didn't oh. meet me. You met Mushki. Basically, Feige Lemberger is one of Mushki's closest friends. Mushki is my wife. And she came to one of your Hanukkah parties that Feige arranged. And that's when you told her that you're going to make a Sheva Brachas for us. Okay. Thank you. See, I met you at your own Sheva Bracha. We instantly connected. Just to give some of the audience the context, to a recent article was released about you and your travels in the forward. In the article, it says, Shlomi Zayantz with his black yarmulke and long peyote would not draw a second glance on the streets of Brooklyn or Jerusalem. In Beirut, Bogota, or Kabul, it's a different story. But that's exactly where he's been going, sharing his journey with his thousands, tens of thousands, tens of thousands of YouTube followers along the way, attempting to show them that the world isn't nearly as scary as he once believed it to be. So, Shlomi, what made you suddenly decide to start exploring the world? So thank God I have this gift that God gave me is that part of my childhood never left me. And as children, we have dreams of things we want to do when we get older. Unfortunately, most human beings sort of drop these along the way into adulthood. And thank God my desire to travel, which I had since I was a little kid, never went away. Um, I had never left the United States or Canada until almost my 18th birthday when I went to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. It had been a dream of mine for a long time to go to this Hasidic New Year festival at the grave of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And once I got out of the United States and Canada and I visited two other countries, I was in the Netherlands and Ukraine, and I saw that the world was so different than I, than I had imagined it to be. It was so much bigger, so much more interesting. And I just told myself right then and there that I would like to visit 50 countries within my lifetime. Well, you're getting close. Seven, I'm getting seven close. More to go. 
Yes, I've realized that this goal is just, I think you're setting the bar a little too low and I'd like to raise it. I hope to visit every country. I'm not going to make it an official goal because once it turns into a goal, I'm going to become obsessed and I'm just not going to do anything else until my goal is reached. But I'm, I'm going to try to get there if I can. Where did you grow up? Willie, Borough Park? Toronto, Canada. Oh, okay. And But you grew up in a, in a closed, uh, you know, somewhat closed Hasidic Haredi community. From uh, what I gather from the article that perhaps you were not the most dedicated scholar, well, you did not have uh, quite, like me, I would add, uh, zitz fleisch. You weren't sitting there all night studying, and if you were, perhaps you were a little frustrated. All right, so Shlomi, you grew up in a Hasidic enclave in Canada, and it said in the article that in 2019, you started the YouTube channel, which has almost 40,000 subscribers, which is unbelievable. And you you share your journey uh, and your searches for kosher food. Some of the places listed in Iraq, Afghanistan. I remember reading in Ami magazine an article that you met with ISIS prisoners in a Kurdish refugee camp. Oy your parents must be must be worried. So some of the places that you've been to are perhaps places that historically and culturally Jews are not used to traveling to. So what led you to visit some of these locations and what did you learn through your interactions about the human psyche and human experience? I'll start off with why I, why I started traveling in the Arab world. I think there was sort of something inside me that was seeking thrill and adventure. And as a nice Jewish boy from a Hasidic community, What's the most thrilling thing you can do is probably go to an Arab country and come back alive. So that's what I tried to do in the summer of 2012. I went to Egypt, to Taba, which is right across the border with Israel's southern border. And basically, me and my friends spent one night there. We had told a friend of ours who was staying in Israel that we're going for 24 hours, we're turning off our phones. And if you don't hear from us within 24 hours, call the Mossad, call the FBI, call everyone. We're in big trouble. Stupid me. I didn't even realize that this place was so close to Israel that I didn't even need to turn off my phone because there would have been no roaming fees. The Israeli cell phone towers completely covered Taba. But anyway, we were out of touch for 24 hours. We went there. We met some nice people. And this interaction literally changed my life. I had always thought that Arabs and Muslims were my enemy, that they, they hated me, they wanted to kill me. And then I was meeting these people face to face, and all they wanted to talk about was how badly they wanted to visit Israel, and they wanted to get to know Jewish people, and it was just a real shocker for me. Since then, I've traveled to many other places in the Middle East, uh, Lebanon, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Qatar, Turkey, Jordan, almost the entire Middle East. And I'm not going to say every interaction was great, and I'm not going to say I got love everywhere, but for the most part, I found people to be very welcoming, hospitable, and genuinely good people all over the world. Wow, that's amazing. Extremely inspiring that you say that, and I guess you see at the core of everybody is this sense of shared humanity, of family, of peace, of dignity, of, of humanity, and that's a very inspiring story. I did read in, in the article that during a 2020 trip to the UAE, you got lost in the desert. What was that like? Yeah, so there's this ghost town called Al-Madam. It's about an hour out of Dubai in an emirate called Sharjah. So the 
the United Arab Emirates is made up of seven different states, if you will. Each one has its own leaders, a little bit different laws, but they make up one big country. So it's about an hour out of Dubai. It's a little tiny town, really not much on the map. It's 12 homes that were abandoned 10, 15, or 20 years ago. I'm not sure when, I'm not sure why, but the people who owned the homes left and slowly the desert is reclaiming the homes. Sand is creeping in through the broken windows and open doors. And these homes are mostly covered in sands. I thought it'd be a cool place to take pictures and perhaps film a YouTube video. I drove down there and when I was about 10 minutes away from my destination, I realized that the GPS wanted me to turn onto a road that I would not be able to travel on because I didn't have a Jeep or a four by four. So I basically stopped and I was like, there's no way I can drive this. My car, my rental car is too small and too weak for this. I figured maybe I'd be able to walk the rest of the distance, but it was going to take me over an hour to walk the distance. And the weather outside was 111 degrees Fahrenheit outside. So I decided not to attempt that. And I basically just stopped the car sat down, started putting the address to my hotel in Dubai into my GPS. And I said, you know what? I'll just go back to Dubai. While I'm sitting there dealing with my GPS, a Jeep pulls up next to me. It, was, it wasn't a Jeep. It was a SUV. This Emirati Arab guy comes out and he walks over to the, my window. I roll down the window and he says, what are you doing here? And I explained to him that I was here from, you know, visiting from the United States and I'm looking for the ghost town of Al-Madam. And he basically told me that, you know, you're at the wrong place. There's another road that can take you to Al-Madam. And this road does not require a 4x4 or a Jeep. You can travel and on with your car. And he basically, he said, give me your phone. I will put the coordinates into your GPS and you'll be able to travel there on your own. So I handed him my phone. And then he said, you know what? I can make things easier for you. Why don't you just follow my SUV and I'll take you there. I said, okay, great. Let's do it. I turn on my car, ready to move forward. And then he comes back to my window. He says, you know what? I want to take you home before... We go to the ghost town. I want you to meet my friends. So wow. I said, great. Sounds like a plan. In my head, I'm thinking this is either the best story ever or <laughs> I'm in really big trouble. I'm right. going to go with nicest guy in the world. And I follow him about a mile or two away. We pull up at this desert tent site. What looked like a tent site. that had, had like walls of a home, but a, a tent roof. And he takes me in. It's a place called a modulus. It's where men hang out. And there's these low couches, carpets, big TV, PlayStation, and these guys are sitting around playing board games and drinking tea and smoking hookah. I was with them for about an hour and a half. It was such a beautiful human experience. Just me, this Hasidic Jew, seven Arab Emirati Muslim guys, drinking tea, playing board games, and enjoying the shared human experience. Wow. Wow. Did you tell them that you were the senior foreign correspondent for AMI magazine? And we never even got that far in conversation. It was just about, you know, I'm guessing time yeah, together Ami, as Ami's not so big in the desert of the UAE. Probably really It's hard to deliver the magazines. They, they tend to, right, uh, right. to so burn up in the far. sun. Okay, so uh, let me get to Tachlis over here. Kosher, Shabbos, observance. How do you follow, we know, to live a life of an Orthodox Jew is, is complicated, and that, for me, in Brooklyn, I struggle. How do you navigate uh, your, you know, sort of spiritual life on the road? First of all, I would like to say that I believe it's possible for anyone who's willing to put up with the challenges that they can face, it is possible to live an Orthodox Jewish life pretty much anywhere in the world, maybe with the exception of North Korea. Other than that, I think I think it's doable anywhere. Kosher is a little bit challenging, but if you're willing to sacrifice the, you know, the food you're used to for a life of travel, like I am willing to do, 
then it's it's a no-brainer. I do take food with me, a lot of cold cuts, tuna, peanut butter, whatever, whatever does it. The main thing is that I travel to me is more important than eating, so that's not an issue. Um, I daven three times a day. I try to learn Torah as much as possible and maintain a Jewish life, but you know, just doing it on the go. I find I find traveling to be a very, very spiritual experience. Right. And I feel like living this life has brought me much closer to God. Interesting. Beautiful. But the fact remains, there are security concerns. Very real. You Right now you're in Mumbai, India. How's the weather? So it's about 95 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. At night it goes up to the high 70s, maybe low 70s. But other than that, it's pretty good. It's humid. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I would be remiss. As a Chabad Chassid talking to somebody in Mumbai without acknowledging the, the terrible tragedy, the terrible uh, murder of the Shlochim, Rabbi Gavriel and Rivka Holtzberg in Mumbai, India, which, was, which shocked the world. So even though that you do connect with people on a human level, you're a personal personality, you're easy to connect to, but there are tensions and dangers for Jews, as we saw with the Holtzbergs, how do you navigate that? And especially, I'm looking at you on Zoom, you cannot hide, or should you hide, your Yiddishkeit. You have a Langepeyers, and you look about as Jewish as it's possible to look. Right. So first of all, I look about as Jewish as possible to look. Also, my name is like the most Jewish name in the right. world. You got Shlomi Yosef, and then Zions, which has the Zion in there, the Tzion. So... You know what? Believe it or not, with this passport, with this name in my passport, I've traveled to Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon. And thank God so far, and God should help that it should continue this way. I have not had issues. I've never tried to play down the danger of potentially what could happen through the work I do. I'm very realistic. I understand there are risks, and I don't encourage other people to do the same. However, this is my path, and, and I need to follow it. I'm compelled. I'm obsessed with doing what I do, and I can't live any other way. This is just, I feel like this is my calling, and I must do it. So there have been instances where I needed to disguise myself to get into certain countries like Lebanon or Afghanistan. Saudi Arabia, when I went the first time in December of 2018, it was the first time in history that they were opening up to foreigners. And at that point in time, it would not have been a good idea for me to walk around dressed Jewish. I went back just about a year later and the country had changed dramatically. Women were driving, women were taking off their head coverings, people were no longer being forced to attend prayer. Things are, are you know, advancing rapidly in that country. And at this point, I'd be happy to walk around uh, the streets of Riyadh or Jeddah with my Straimel and Bekesha, no problem. Wow. So it's, you know, the world is evolving. We're seeing certain places are opening up and becoming more inclusive and accepting. At the same time, we're seeing certain places close up, reversing, as we've seen what happened in Afghanistan just a couple of months ago. The world is a very complicated place. I don't claim to understand it or be an expert at geopolitical issues, but it is possible for a Jew to travel. Regardless of how they look, I can hide my appearance. I don't like doing it because I just feel like I'd rather be open with people and, and share my version of, of humanity with them. And they should, you know, I like when people get to meet an Orthodox Jew for the first time, which thousands of, of Muslims have met me and I was their first Jew, which I'm very proud of. However, if I need to hide to get into a certain country, that's not going to stop. I mean, there is now, from what I understand, somebody told me recently, they got back from Dubai and they told me it was like Borapak. They said, there's kosher in the streets, there's minyanim. I saw that Kabad just took a delegation of, I believe, six 
hundred young Russian Jews to to Dubai, and we know uh, post Abraham Accords there is perhaps somewhat of, of a love fest between uh, Israel, the Jewish people. It seems to be more predominantly the Orthodox Haredi community with the community in Dubai. Do you feel like, in a way, you were a preamble? You were a, pre- a precursor. You were doing this before this was even a thing, and you kind of opened doors. And once those doors have been opened, people, you know, are entering and relationships are being forged. So what is your feeling about what's happening with this sort of Jewish-Arab connection right now in Dubai and surrounding region? Yes, I feel like people, I think the Torah talks about this as well. There's a certain longing to do things that are forbidden, things that should not be done and things that have never made sense to be done. So when the Arabs are told that the Jews are their enemy and the state of Israel wants to take over Mecca and all sorts of just slander and lies that are spread about us, and when the Jews are told that every Arab and Muslim wants to kill them, and then all of a sudden there's a peace deal that happens by surprise, people just jump in and want to be a part of it and want to, you know, see it with their own eyes. So I think it's really beautiful that you're seeing so many thousands of of Jewish people visiting the UAE and other places in the Arab world, you're seeing a lot of Emiratis go to Israel as well. Like anyone who has a problem with this, anybody who who thinks that this is not a good thing, I, I think they need to have their head examined. I think it's so beautiful. And I think this just stems from curiosity of, of wanting to get to know the people who you were convinced were, were not your friends. Right, right. So I also wanted to ask you a few more questions about your YouTube channel. And you kind of went even more viral than you already are in 2020 when uh, the travel vlogger, vlogger, if I'm saying his name the right way, Peter Santello, am I saying that right? Santanello. Okay, Peter Santanello, the YouTube travel vlogger, you gave him a tour of New York's Hasidic community in a uh, 15-episode series. The first episode alone currently has more than six million views so what that's was that only on like? youtube it has about eight million on facebook oh wow okay so what was that like and how did things change for you after that so that was really a surprise like i and i didn't plan it it wasn't like something uh that i intended to do i just had been following peter santanello's work on youtube and then i ended up following him on instagram and one day i saw an instagram story where he said that he was coming to new york city and he was looking for story ideas and i thought you know what let me just shoot my shot. Why don't you come to Brooklyn? I'll show you the Hasidic community. I was sure he wouldn't see my message. He has tens of thousands of followers. Within like an hour and a half or so, he responded. He's like, let's do it. We set a date. We were supposed wow. to film one episode together. It was Cholomoyed Sukkot, and I took him to Borough Park, Williamsburg, and Crown Heights. He had such a good time that he filmed so much content that instead of making one video, he decided to make three. He made three videos Then he found some bonus footage, made a fourth video. And after the first video got like a million and a half views in in the first couple of days, I called him. I said, Peter, I think you're onto something and you need to come back. Uh, Needless to say, well, first of all, he he wasn't interested. He was like, I don't think we can do this. You know, I already did the Hasidic series and it was great, but I don't want to focus on this too much. I think my audience wants to see something else. But I, I felt that he really, really didn't understand how powerful the series can be. And I kept nudging him. And after a couple of weeks, he agreed to come back, came back to the community for another week. And we filmed another 11 episodes. And the rest is history. The, the series has been seen by 30 million people. And... It's the, the repercussions of this are unbelievable. We have people today who are keeping Shabbos 
because they watched our Shabbos video. We have women who are going to the mikvah. We have people who are putting on tefillin, putting mezuzahs on their doors. People are just reconnecting, realizing that if even if you're not up to doing everything in Judaism, every step counts, every step matters. And, and so many people were inspired. I think it's a really beautiful thing. And, and I must say, as, as a side effect of all this, because I starred in this series, I've been exposed to a much wider audience who have decided to follow my YouTube journey as well. And I'm, I'm happy, you know, to have all these people join along. I believe that the more people watch my content, understand what I'm trying to do to bring peace, harmony, love, acceptance, and unity across the world, I hope it will impact more and more people. And if we can spread this message to everyone, the world will be, uh, will be a much better place. Beautiful. Um, wow. Um, haters. Haters going to hate. How do we deal with this? Do, we, you, do you have any pushback, pullback from your travels, from your escapades? You are bringing, you know, people together and you're... Crossing the beams, and some of these gatekeepers get nervous when there's disruption, and you are a disruptor. How do you handle that? Do you handle that? Do you have it? So I would, I must say, from the Jewish community, I received almost nothing but love and and support. Um, I do get some hate from the Arab world. I try not to focus on it much. My approach is that I kill them with kindness. So if someone leaves me a nasty comment, I either ignore it. I'll like write back the nicest comment to them. I'll reply to their comments. I'll have someone write like, you suck. All Jews should go to hell. F Israel. And I'll be like, wow, thank you so much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. You must have put so much thought and effort into writing that. And then either they apologize or I've had people who like didn't realize what I was trying to do. And they're like, no, I meant that in a bad way. Like, and they, they get trolled so hard. And then they're like, they regret writing it. It's great. I, I really have fun with them. Like, I don't let it get to me. Thank God I'm, I have tough skin, thick skin, and I'm, I don't let the haters bother me. I'm going to continue with my mission, God willing. Beautiful. Okay. So before we end off, I also want to let the, the listener know that the sound quality is a shtickle wavered because this is an international podcast. You are in Mumbai. I'm in Brooklyn. Don't get this on the Mayor K podcast. Just putting that out there, Mayor, because I know you listen. We are, we're truly, uh, we're global, we're viral, but of all your travels, and I'm just going to scroll, some of the countries you, you were telling me, India, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Azerbaijan, Iraq, Thailand, Morocco, Dubai, Indonesia, Singapore, Cuba, to name just a few. Perhaps the most uh, impressive of all, without a doubt, was September 21st, 2020. You took the bravest journey of all. You went with your wife, Mushki, along with two kids, a four-year-old, an eight-month-old baby. You got into a car. You went on a 54-day road trip, 7,709 miles, okay, with the wife. No, 9,709 miles. Okay, I got an ADHD over here. Just diagnosed, by the way. Separate episode. 9,709 miles through 21 states. By the way, I hope you have uh, some... Do you get like frequent flyer mileage? Side question. I know the Heimish are good about points. How, how do you work that out? Let's just get into this. So so a lot of Heimish people are like big on credit card spending and Hello. to get points. I'm, yes. I'm not so... Not so into that part of it, but thank God through my travels, I have been able to accumulate a decent amount of miles and, and I like watching them grow and I like redeeming them for travel. Yeah, miles are great. It's really nice that the airlines are willing to give back a little bit. Do you have like, you know, the Million Mile Club where you can go into the VIP lounge, you can like, you got some situation going on? 
I, I don't have that yet. Um, unfortunately, no, not yet, because basically my philosophy is travel as much as possible, as often as possible. Right. There are certain people who like they need to have the specific flight and on the specific airline. I'm not I'm not like that. So if you're choosing to use the same airline all the time, then, yeah, at, at this point, that would be in the trillion mile club because I'll fly <laughs> any airline pretty much that the FAA allows to fly and some that the FAA doesn't even allow to fly. Um, then I'll, I, my miles are spread across many, many different accounts and, and loyalty programs. So no, I'm not in the million mile club yet, but hopefully I'll get there. Okay. Back to the question. September 21st, 9,709 miles with the wife and two young kids, 21 States. How did that go? It really went very well. You know, I mean, ISIS, ISIS is one thing, but like, you know. Wife and kids is, uh, you know. Right. So I think one of the most important things, practically the most important thing we have in our lives after God is family. Wow. And we were, you have to understand, we were, we're coming good. from being, we were, be, we were coming from being locked down in Israel for six months. We practically didn't leave the house. And eventually it was like affecting everyone's health and mental health. Right. So we just got on a plane from the, from Israel to the United States, a one-way ticket. And we were like, I don't care what happens. We got to get out of there and start moving around again. So like after about two, three weeks in the States, we jumped in this car, went on the trip. It was really, really beautiful. Um, it, was, it was so special. Like some of my best memories in my lifetime are on that trip. Wow. You sleep in tents, Airbnb? We did car? one night in a tent, many, many nights in hotels, a couple nights driving through the night. And we're also hosted uh, by various families and Jewish communities around the country. Wow. So you're becoming a shtickle or not even a shtickle uh, celebrity, not just in your community, but I think the outer communities. And do you get recognized when you're on the on the road? So, I mean, in the firm communities, it's like insane. Like if I go anywhere, there are people who want selfies and, and the talk. If I go out to eat with my wife in a restaurant, people will come over and stop us and sit at our table and whatever. It's nice. Sometimes it's a little bit invasive, but... But I appreciate the sentiment and I do enjoy meeting people. It's weird. After Peter Santanello's series came out, I started getting like random people coming over to me at all places. So I was in, I was at like Fort Lauderdale airport and this guy with a long ponytail and shorts and like a surfboard came up to me and he's like, are you that guy from, from the Peter's video? I was like, yeah. And he wanted a selfie. I was actually in Erbil, Iraqi Kurdistan. And a guy came up to me. And he said he was from Mosul and he watches my videos. And then I was on, this was the scariest. I was on a plane from Dubai to Kabul, Afghanistan in June, right before the regime fell. And I'm completely dressed in Afghan clothing, trying to blend in, trying to be as inconspicuous as possible so that I don't blow my cover. I didn't want anyone to know who I was, that I was Jewish. And someone taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and there's this Afghan businessman. He says, are you Shlemy Zions? And I was like, Oh, no. And we had this really nice conversation. He invited me to stay at his house, which I would have loved to do. But just for security and safety reasons, I, I couldn't allow myself to do that. But he recognized me, too. So this this stuff is far reaching and it's frightening in a way. But at the same time, it's it's inspiring to know that there are people on the other side of the globe who sh who have such a different belief system than I do. Wow. Who are watching content created by a Hasidic Jew in the United States or in Israel and I feel like this is uh, something that everyone should know, that no matter what you do, you can have an impact, and this impact can reach the other end of the world. And don't think that you're insignificant. Like, 
you literally can change the world. We have the technology to make it happen. And just just put good things out there because people are watching. Wow. So you're on the plane, you're in full Arab garb, and the air hostess gets up and says, uh, glad kosher meal for shloimi. Uh, maybe that would give away give away the cover. I did want to ask, we're into the last five minutes. I want to respect our producer doing a great job over there. 43 countries. Is there one specific um, place that you would recommend and that you had such a positive experience and one or two places that perhaps you would, would not recommend? So, great question. I don't like to pick favorites, but... I do love Dubai. I think it's such an amazing city. And I feel like everyone, especially Jewish people, should visit there and see what it's all about. Um, I also love Morocco. I was there for a very short time, but it was such a welcoming country. I think people have a great time there. Let's not go to countries I would not recommend. I try to have anything that comes out of my mouth or on my channel, whatever. I, I want everything to be positive. So let's just focus on that. Wow, beautiful. Okay. You are a ball of positive energy. You are inspiring. It is infectious. I ask you, beg you, beseech you to be safe. And, uh, and I, I respect the fact that you do not compromise your religiosity, but at the same time, you're not closed-minded. And I guess that open. And is there one uh, final message that you'd like to give the listeners we're going to do a whole separate episode, by the way, on Army Magazine. We're not even getting there. That is a whole episode. because I know my listeners uh, have, have questions, and I'm submitting a story to Ami. You're my in, by the way. You're the in. Right. I got to be in good graces over there because you are the senior foreign correspondent. Hopefully that's going to go. But is there any sort of final closing thoughts that you would like to give the listeners that you've learned from your travels? So all I would say is that each and every one of us is born with our preconceived notions about the world, our misconceived notions about the world. And for those who want to go on a beautiful journey of self-exploration and world exploration and to bring more peace and calm into their lives, open your eyes, open your minds, open your hearts to people around you. Try to see the humanity in them, even if they're different. Perhaps they vote for a different political party or they follow a different religion or they are of a different race, gender, whatever it may be, try to see the humanity in everyone because each and every person on this planet was created in God's image. And at the end of the day, we have a lot more in common than we do not. And it's so important to recognize that. It's something I'm trying to put out into the world. And I know there are many other people working on this as well. So credit to anyone who's trying to bring the world together as opposed to those who are trying to break us and tear us apart. If you want to be entertained and or inspired, please check out my YouTube channel, Shlemy Zions. You will not regret it. Beautiful. Shlomi Zayens, world traveler, YouTuber, podcaster, Instagrammer, writer, public speaker. You are a rock star. Thank you for coming on the Hipset podcast. This is me, Rabbi Simcha, saying shalom. And finally, in the final minute and a half, you are a lover of licorice. What's your favorite licorice? Probably Australian licorice, uh, mango flavor. I know that's very controversial because Australian licorice isn't even licorice. It's like candy. But yeah, mango flavor is pretty pretty dope. You hear it on the Hipset podcast, uh, exclusive mango flavored licorice from Australia is the preferred brand of the senior foreign correspondent ambassador to the Hasidic community, Shlomi Zayans, 
Chosid, father, brother, husband, inspiration. Thank you. And I got a feeling this is not going to be your last time on the podcast because you're a rock star. I want to thank you. Be safe. Good night. Keep in touch. Thank you for having me. God bless you all. And I can't wait to be back on. Singapore, for for it, like in Montreal, in Finkel, Dave, Durchlipa, it like a state in Vinario.